When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Friday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Douglas Maurice and Mary Kay Cabot. We're doing a little bit of a fun little draft. I know some people I think love the draft. Some people I think, why did they do they draft? everything what are they going to draft next they're going to draft the shirts in doug's closet but we're trying to inform you about the browns and plus we're having a little fun you know it's july it's fun time so mary Kay and i are here we are going to draft a browns offense so this to me mary Kay, back in the old days in the jim trestle era at ohio state ohio state spring game they would have a draft they'd pick like the captains for each team and then they would draft their team to split the roster into two squads to then play against each other. So this is kind of what I'm thinking, right? That this is almost like, like the, it's like the orange and Brown game. Like we're making an orange squad and a Brown squad, and we're going to split the offense. And then we'll send it out to the tech subscribers to the Browns insiders and say, Hey, who has the better team team, Mary Kay or team Doug. And then we'll do the same thing with the defense next week and send that out. And then we'll, we'll have a final thing and say, who has the better team as we split this Browns roster in half, but Mary Kay, I think, well, we should learn a a little something about, because again, a thing like this, it's not just the best players. It's the most important players. What's the gap between the starter and the backup, that kind of thing, at least slightly informative. Is it not? I think so. I think it'll be fun. Uh, The one question that I have as we go through this uh, is, uh, we can pick any position that we want to in any order. Right. I mean, and you can mention uh, that we have a bonus pick coming up, but I mean, if, you know, if I start with a certain player, I don't have to go in any type of order in terms of position. Is that correct? Right. So you just, in the end, we were, we're as you said, we're going to have a bonus pick. So we're just going to pick 12 players. Mm-hmm. And then with those 12 players, you have to be able to put an 11 man offense on the field. Mm-hmm. So however you want to do that, you know, whatever, if you want to draft all skill guys first and then all offensive linemen last, if you want to draft all offensive linemen first, whatever, um, you just have to be able to put a real offense on the field. And I don't think, you know, nobody wants Wyatt Teller playing quarterback. So like, you know, you gotta, you know, uh, it's a little bit of a structure, but also mm-hmm. hopefully some freedom within the structure. And as Mary can mentioned, the bonus pick can start in the fifth round. We're starting in the fifth round. You can pick somebody at a position that you've already picked. Mm-hmm. as your bonus person and that just has the potential to screw up the other drafter i mean it's just like <laughs> when we do this kind of thing on uh, on buckeye talk the other guys take great pleasure in trying to stick it to me so this is the stick it to doug bonus pick but mary Kay is going to draft first for this offensive draft and then i will draft first next week for the defensive draft and listen you know you can listen to this you'll, you'll get a little info just a little fun i think maybe then you guys listening could could do this with your friend <laughs> Could do it around the dinner table. Say, hey, let's draft the Browns. Who would you take first? Oh, that's not who Mary Kay took first, or it is, or that's not who I took first, right? Because there's enough good players on this roster, Mary Kay, and good players give you options. So we will see who you are going to pick first with our offensive draft as we break up the Orange and Brown squads on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay, go ahead. I am going to start with surprise, surprise. I'm going to start with Baker Mayfield. I think it all starts there. Uh, I I think he is the obvious pick. I got the luck of the draw this week. Uh, I would like to believe that if you had the number one overall pick, you probably would have taken Baker. I think he's the most important, obviously, player on offense. I think he's going to step it up in a big way here in his second season, build on what he did in the second half of last year. And one of the really interesting things uh, that I'm looking forward to seeing is his first full year under Kevin Stefanski once the lights have gone on. So by the 
eighth game of the season, seventh or eighth game of the season, you will have one full season uh, under Kevin Stefanski. And I think that will inform who he is and what he is going forward. So let me ask you this. And I bet, I don't know, I would guess maybe 90% of Browns fans would make Baker the, the first pick in a draft like this. And the issue with the Browns is they actually have some decent depth as well. So even if you look at some of the offensive line spots, obviously running back, they have a bunch of tight ends. They go six deep at receiver, right? Like Mary Kay, like as good as the starters are for this team, there's also sort of a growing depth here, which by the way, is what good teams do. So if there wasn't some decent depth at some other spots, I think it might lessen if they're like if, 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 if it wasn't depth, you might say, "Well, I trust Case Keenum at least to some degree. I'm going to go somewhere where I don't trust the backup." How much? And and this is like great way to start the podcast, Doug. And here's Doug arguing like they don't need Baker Mayfield. That's not what I'm arguing. Could they, if the worst thing happened? And I never like to talk about injuries. So Baker Mayfield, I always say, Baker Mayfield's abducted by aliens. Mm-hmm. Could this be a good team? With Case Keenum, could this be a good offense? Could it be a winning team? Certainly our Super Bowl-like expectations would be adjusted. But how close to peak do you think they could be with Case Keenum? Well, there's evidence. There's recent evidence that they can win football games with Case Keenum. All you have to do is go back a couple of years to Minnesota and see that he went 11-3 and for the Vikings took them to the NFC championship game. He knows this offense like the back of his hand. Uh, I watch him in practice a lot. Uh, he, he, the ball still comes out really well with him. Uh, you know, he is very well versed in all things, Kevin Stefanski offense. And I think that they could, I think that they could withstand the loss of Baker Mayfield and still maintain their Super Bowl aspirations, believe it or not, it would not be as easy. It would not be ideal. Uh, you might not necessarily pick them to win the Super Bowl, uh, but I think that it wouldn't crush or kill their hopes of trying to get there. I think there is a player on this football team where you could kind of say, oh, if they lose that player, it's not happening. But I don't necessarily think that player is Baker Mayfield because of Case Keenum. Now, if Kyle Lalletta was behind him, I wouldn't feel that way at all. Uh, but it is Case. and. Uh, and he knows what he's doing. It's a very interesting thing in the NFL these days, where on one hand, I think we all feel like fans, media, teams themselves feel like if you don't have a dude at quarterback, you're probably not going to get it done. But yet, if you really are a complete team, and I think Case Keenum is practically the poster boy for NFL backup quarterbacks, right? It is like a veteran who has done it, who you would not want to go into a season where you think you're going to win a Super Bowl planning on him as your starting quarterback. If he's your one, you're short. But if he's your two and you have smart coaching and good players around him on both sides of the ball, you still think you can win. It almost feels like a little bit of a disconnect to me, Mary Kay, that it's like, well, you have to have a great quarterback, but yet if your team's good enough, you can maybe survive with your backup quarterback. But I, that's why I think the Browns are, right? That I think that that they're relying on Baker to be a top 10 quarterback while believing if the worst thing happened, their season wouldn't be over, right? Their season, if, if the aliens came in week two, Browns fans would not pack it up and go home because of what you said about Case Keenum. Yeah. And, and the evidence is there. So it's not like, you know, we're just plucking this out of thin air and thinking, oh yeah, maybe he could win some games. He's proven that he can do that in this system. And if you understand, if you really truly understand this system, we've seen Brian Hoyer succeed in it. It's the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak system. It's quarterback friendly. It brings out the best in a quarterback. It gives you so many options. And Case knows it like the back of his hand, so much so that he has really helped Baker Mayfield implement it and get up to speed in it. He has helped coach him up a little bit and mentor him in this offense. So I absolutely think that they would be okay because, as you said, this team is built it's built tough all the way across the board. It's, it's strong and deep at almost every single position on this football team. And, and therefore, the quarterback is not going to make or break you. Where it might hurt you is 
if you do get to the AFC championship game, or if you do get to the Super Bowl, that's where you need that quarterback that can get you over the top to win that tough game against another amazing elite quarterback. Okay. You can win a bunch of games in this offense with the Case Keenum. The question is, who can get you over the top through the AFC championship game, perhaps past Patrick Mahomes, past a, a Josh Allen or whoever else is going to be there uh, and into the Super Bowl and then try to beat a Tom Brady. That's where the quarterback would come in. I think that there's any dissonance between the ideas of Baker Mayfield is the most important guy on this offense, mm-hmm. but yet they could survive to some degree without him. I think like both those things are true, even though maybe at first blush, you would be like, well, how can those things be true simultaneously? But we just explained for 10 minutes how they're true simultaneously. So Baker Mayfield, number one, I figured you would, I gave you the option. When do you want to take the number one spot now or on the defensive pick? I kind of figured I wouldn't have to face this decision. I'm, I'm pretty sure I would have taken Baker Mayfield number one, but I'm not a thousand percent sure, but I will tell you, Mary Kay, we saw enough evidence last year with this team. It's like, well, who, well, Odell, oh, well, they, they missed him. Like they didn't have him, but they still won games. Oh, Nick Chubb, he was out. They missed him and they did miss him, but they still won some games. Oh, Wyatt Teller. Oh, he was out. Even Jack Conklin missed a game, right? It's like, we actually have proof that like, I, I, I would maybe argue, just like, again, this is a good argument, a good place for a team to be. I don't know that anybody on this offense is irreplaceable in terms of do you pack it up and go home if that guy's out, right? That obviously it hurts you. So that's a sign of a good team. I, I, on some level, I think it's almost more of a sign of a good team than like how good your top guys are. And we know how good their top guys are. And by the way, again, we were having conversations on this podcast in January about the Browns having one of the three best rosters in the NFL. And all I've seen nationally in the last two weeks is, Hey, guess what? The Browns have the best. It's like, yeah, yeah. We know if you listen to this podcast and then you're reading this stuff, the rest of the world is catching up to the orange and Brown talk. All right. I'm conflicted. I think honestly, Mary Kay, if Baker's the obvious number one, I think there's about at least four candidates Mm -hmm. here. Yep. So I'm going to go, this might be wrong, but I'm going to go with the guy who over the history of podcasts this season, I've kind of picked him for a lot of things. I'm, I'm probably in his corner too far, but I'm going to take Jack Conklin. And that is based on tackle positional value. That is based on, I think he's in the conversation for the best right tackle in the league. It's a little bit of like, a, okay, you know, the other tackle options behind him. Is that a greater drop than some places, even though there's a veteran behind him? I, it's not a, it's not a slam dunk at all to me, but that's who I'm going to take. Are you surprised that it cooked? I, I, this is the floor is yours, Mary Kay, if you would like to, to rip me for taking <laughs> Jack Conklin number two. You know what? No, I'm, I'm not going to rip you for it because I kind of suspected that you would go that way just because, like you said, we've done enough of these podcasts together that I know how you feel about him and his value to the team and what he brings and how replaceable he would be, which is really a lot about what this exercise is, what's going to happen if that guy goes down. And they really don't have a great option right now uh, in the event that that happens. Chris Hubbard is coming back from an injury, a very serious injury, and he's not all the way back yet. James Hudson, he's a rookie, and, you know, I don't know, I don't think anybody would feel super confident just throwing him in there right away. So when it comes to replacement value, uh, I, I think you made a very, very good choice here with Jack Conklin because you could make a case for every single other player on the football team that they can be replaced. You can survive it. You can withstand that blow. This one would be very difficult. So a lot of wisdom here in what you're choosing, but I, I just want to add something real super quick. And that is, and you're not going to love this when I do this. You, you always hate it when I do this, but sometimes I, I like to bring, uh, rein it in. Sometimes I like to rein things in just a little bit. Um, and that is they, they were not tested enough in my mind, not they, not that they had any choice, but they just were not tested by the best pass rushers in the NFL last season. And therefore, I think that we didn't necessarily get the truest 
most authentic evaluation of what the tackles could do. I mean, you know, they just didn't see the Nick Bosa's. They didn't see the Joey Bosa's. Uh, they, did, they didn't really even see, they didn't see Chase Young. He hobbled off the field uh, with a groin injury. Uh, when J.J. Watt came to town, it was a weather game and the pass rush was neutralized. So when you think about those guys getting really, really tested from a pass rush standpoint and, and withholding and standing up to that kind of thing and keeping Baker upright, I think they will be tested more going forward than they were last year. I mean, can you think of any, I mean, the, and the Pittsburgh Steelers rested their starters. They've got a, a good pass rush, but they rested their starters in the season finale. Uh, so I, I think that they have all got to pick it up a notch because I think in 2021, there will be games in which I believe that at times they will be tested more than they were this year. Now, you know, I, I think that a lot of that makes a lot of sense, Mary Kay, um, you know, Khalil Max coming in week three with the bears, right? I mean, like they're going to, they're, they, they do have some people um, they get, and then they have Joey Bosa in week five with the chargers. So that, and then JJ Watt in week six with Arizona. So like they are going to be faced with that. The one thing I like about Conklin is he was good against, he was good in the run and the pass last year. Um, but, and, and, but the thing about that is like, you, you've said some of that before and were right. You, you were saying some things like that sort of at the end of uh, the year when Greg Williams was in charge and when Freddie Kitchens got the job based off how the offense had played sort of in the second half of that season, and I remember you sort of being like, well, I mean, are we sure how good the offense was and how good everything was put together? Because the defenses they were going against in the back half of that year, like, are we sure it's real? And then it it wasn't as real as a lot of us, me included, thought it was. So I do think you have to be aware of the opposition. And with anything here, I mean, this is obvious. There's, there's two things at play every week is how good you are and how good the other guy is. You can't ignore that. You can't ignore how good the other guy is. Now, there was a lot of stuff at times last year about like, oh, the Browns schedule is kind of easy. And it's like, well, you still got to win. And they did. But I think some of these individual matchups with the elite pass rushers, because the Browns know it as well as anybody, one great pass rusher changes the game. So, you know, if Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills probably are going to have moments this year where they're tested more than they were a year ago. All right, Baker one, Conklin two. Quick break on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, and we'll be right back with the second round. Not all the rounds are going to take this long. We'll be right back after this. All right, Doug Maurice and Mary Kay Cabot. If you're not a Browns insider, honestly, like it, it is like the offseason, right? But you got to start getting geared up for this stuff, and the season's going to be here before you know it. So if you are a Browns insider, thank you. If you're not, it's the time to at least be starting to think about it. So if you go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner and just at least ponder it if you've never pondered it before, because guess what? The Browns might have the best roster in the NFL and we have the best Browns coverage roster led by Mary Kay. So you get text, daily texts in your phone, information analysis as it happens. You get a special insider nugget, little newsletter that only the insiders get. And then you get access to all the stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. Cause like sometimes we have stories that aren't free because you know, people got to get paid. So, I mean, if you love the Browns, I just think it's a great value. How much, what, I mean, how much would you pay to, for a thing that you love? Right. I mean, this is the thing that, that you love. So at least think about it, start thinking about it and get yourself ready to be rolling with our Browns insider subscription when this, when camp starts for the Browns again, cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner, second round pick to you, Mary Kay. Well, as you mentioned, uh, there will need to be some strategy involved here. And, uh, and I could have gone a couple of different ways here, but look in looking ahead, since you have taken the premier offensive tackle on this football team, I need a good one. I, I need to have a really good offensive tackle. And I cannot take the risk of, of ending up without either one of those guys, Jed or Jack. So I'm going Jed Wills here uh, because you got to have that guy. And uh, you need your blindside protector. And I think that Jed Wills is going to pick up his game this year too. Uh, he didn't grade out beautifully last year, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, he was not exactly where you would want him to be, but I think that will change this year. He was under a lot of duress last year, trying to, to make that switch from right tackle in college 
uh, to left tackle in the pros. He had a lot on his plate. Uh, so I think that uh, I think that this year he's going to take that leap that they need him to take. And I for sure need a really good blindside protector, a good left tackle on my roster. And I, I just could not let you get away with having both of those guys. So I'm taking him here. Positional value, positional value. And I do think, I think one of the more interesting things to watch this season is the Jed Wills leap, right? That mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, you know, I mean, he, he was good last year. He might've been their fifth best offensive line. And that's not about him. That's about what the other four guys are. I mean, this guy is a top 10 pick. Do you know what top 10 left tackles wind up doing? Like sometimes they wind up going to the hall of fame. Like he didn't play at a hall of now. That's of course. I mean, what am I I'm not? I'm not, I'm not literally dropping a Jed Wills, Joe Thomas comparison in July of 2021, but like, that's not an unreasonable ceiling for him to be dominant for him to be elite is not at all unreasonable. And when you think about these Browns, there's a lot of things. And we, we talked about, I think on the Friday podcast, the Monday, uh, whatever podcast earlier this week, it's like, well, if, what if Clowney isn't just good, but is great. What if Odell isn't just good, but is great. I'd throw Jed Wilson in that category, Mary Kay, because as good as we think this offense is, and, as, and, and, and defense too, as, as much as we think we know about it, I think there are multiple guys on this team, multiple key guys who still have a level up and Wills is at the top of that list. Yeah, absolutely. He has room for growth. Now, what he did do very well last year was pass block. He was, I believe, number 22 amongst qualifying pass blockers in the NFL. Uh, It was his run blocking where he struggled a little bit. But also, uh, I think you sometimes need to factor in the quality of the coaching staff. And he's got Bill Callahan on his side. And when you've got a guy like Bill Callahan coaching you up. You're going to get good. You're going going to get good in a hurry. And Jed has a work ethic too. He's got a really nice work ethic. Uh, He's got a good mentor that he can check in with from time to time in that hall of famer uh, in Joe Thomas. And, um, and I, I just really think that uh, the opportunity is there for him uh, to make that 25% leap uh, that you always look for in your rookies to sophomores in the NFL. And, uh, I, I expect to see that from him and it will help Baker uh, to have that better offensive lineman over there on that left side. All right. I'm going to pick Joel Batonio and I'm going to hold off on the discussion here until I see who Mary Kay picks with her first pick in the third round, because we just went three straight offensive linemen. And I'm curious where you go here, Mary Kay. And then there's a bigger point I want to make. I was afraid that you were going to take Joel here. Uh, because that's just a great pick. I mean, you have to build strong through the lines. I mean, you're Andrew Barry right now is what you're doing. I mean, you're building a really good offensive line, and that is smart, what you're doing. Um, and I was afraid I would that say, gonna... Andrew Barry, I would say, is smart, handsome, and good at his job. And I am only one of those three things. So <laughs> that comparison, uh, I appreciate very much, Mary Kay. Well, which one? Well, that's where we're going to leaving that to the listeners. <laughs> that's left to everyone's imagination. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is a really good pick. And I'm, I'm a little bit envious of this pick because a case can be made that Joel Batonio is the best offensive lineman on the Cleveland Browns. He's so solid. He's so good. He's so good at what he does. Uh, once again, you know, he had to be really good, too, because he had a rookie on the left side of him. So he had to be extra good last year. And he was. Uh, you know, I just think he is a, a perennial pro bowler. I think that he is underrated. Uh, he's a great leader. He gets, you know, everybody where they're supposed to be. Uh, he's a good fit for this offense. And, uh, and I think this is a tremendous pick by you right here. Thank you. I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the kind words. Um, <laughs> I'm very curious to see what you do here. Well, you know what, here's what I'm going to do here. I again, once again, there's a couple different places that, that I could go. And, and if I don't go this one particular place, you're going to take this player maybe, but I'm going to go with Nick Chubb here. I'm going with Nick Chubb at, at number three, because I do think that in some ways he transcends the position. I think he's one of the best pure runners in the NFL. There are other guys, and we've talked about it many times on this podcast 
that are dual threat running backs and can catch the heck out of the ball. He's not that guy. At least he hasn't been that guy to this point. He'll be better at catching the ball this year. I can almost promise you that after what happened in that Chiefs game, he was very mad at himself for that. Uh, But just in terms of sheer running ability and home run ability uh, from that position, at any given time, he can be gone. And and I just think that, that he's tremendous and extremely valuable to this offense. And even though you do have another really good running back on this offense, uh, I still think that Nick is, is pretty special and pretty hard to replace. So I'm going Nick Chubb here. That's a very good pick. I'm going to pick um, JC Treader and take mm-hmm. three straight offensive linemen. And this is what I want to talk about a little bit. Because I'm also doing a draft. We're doing this Thursday afternoon for our Friday podcast. Thursday night, I'm doing a draft on the uh, All Eyes on Clee podcast. I was invited on that with some other guys. And we're going to have four people doing a draft of the AFC North, where we are going to draft um, offensive positions from the, from the whole division. And then doing some brief prep on that, I think, Mary Kay, and of course, I know more about the Browns than I know about the other three teams. I think it's possible, right? Pouncey retired, right? From the Steelers, Pouncey retired, right? Yep, yes. And I know Alejandro Villanueva stayed in the division, right? He went from Pittsburgh to the Ravens. He's still a really good player. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think it's possible that the Browns have the two best tackles, the two best guards, and the best center in the division that like the five best offensive linemen in the AFC North are the Browns five offensive linemen. And I'm here for people to argue against that. And I'm not, we're not here to debate that Mary Kay, but in just running through that, like I knew the Browns and listen, I knew like the Browns offensive line was good people. I mean, it might've been the best offensive line in the league last year, but that at each individual position, they might have the best guy in the division, like just, Thinking about that for five seconds, even if it's wrong, (laughs) (laughs) hammered something home to me. And I don't know that this will be the line that comes back in 2022, but that this was the group that in 2020 was so vital to what they did last year and that all five are back. And there's no reason to think there'll be any drop off from anybody. And frankly, if they all stay a little healthy, you know, if Wyatt Teller doesn't miss the games he missed, right? Like if Jed Wills makes a jump, they could be better. It is, it is, it, it crystallized for me that not just is this line good, Mary Kay, that this is such an edge for the Browns in this division. I don't know. Maybe I'm stating the obvious, but I think sometimes even like when you hone in on the obvious, you really realize how good something obvious is this line. I it's, it really is amazing. It really is. And, and that was by design. And, um, and I've written about this before. One of the reasons why uh, they really put so much effort into building this offensive line is because Ryan Grigson, their senior personnel consultant was with the Indianapolis Colts when he didn't do enough of that for Andrew Luck. And he regretted that horribly. And when he came here, he pounded that into their brains. He, he jumped on the table for the offensive line and made sure that they got it right and that they invested in it and that they didn't repeat those same mistakes. And it is paying off for them right now. It's going to pay off for them for years to come. And he's also going to still be around to hammer that point home. And Andrew Barry was there, uh, you know, when that all happened in Indianapolis, they were together and they knew uh, that that was going to have to be a point of emphasis especially with a young quarterback that, you know, that you need to support and surround him uh, with good talent and more teams don't do enough of this. I mean, you just, you can't let these guys get killed. You can't see them on their back. I mean, look, I mean, Joe Burrow, you have to protect Joe Burrow. You've got all these young, good quarterbacks coming into the NFL. You have to spend the money. It's not necessarily a sexy pick to go out and spend money on a center or a guard, or even a tackle, but it's what you have to do. And and you picking a center here, I remember back when the Browns drafted Jeff Bain, you know, in the first round, they said, it's not, you know, it's it's definitely not a sexy pick to pick Mm -hmm. a center, but you have to have one. You have to have a good one. And when you don't, that's when you realize how important they are. When you see that now it was Marquise Pouncey, but um, 
you know, when that ball sailed over Ben Roethlisberger's head, it was like that game was over already. Um, so, you, you know, you have to have one. You have to have a good one. J.C., he's solid as they come. He had an injury history in Green Bay. He came here and he got that cleaned up. I remember running in, um, into Mike McCarthy uh, in, in an airport once and the Browns had just signed J.C. And he said he is a pro bowler if he can stay healthy. And that is what he said to me. And we were just talking off the cuff. And he said that, that he is one hell of a player and he's proven to be as solid as they come. And when you would find out that he's not is, is or how much, how valuable he is, is if he were hurt for four games and, and you did not have him. So good pick. I, I will say one of the other things that I think is going to be, I just could be harder for us to watch because hopefully if the top five guys still healthy, we won't see it, but the de- they need to develop the guys behind them. Nick Harris, Drew Forbes, James Hudson. Mm-hmm. They have to get these guys ready for when they won't have these same five guys here because guys are, when they're this good, they're going to price themselves out at some point. And so that I think is, that is as, as much as Bill Callahan did to lift the level of this starting offensive line last year, what he does developing some of these young backups, because at this point, I mean, you know, it's not like Jed Wills is, is, is super established, but like these other guys kind of know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So what Bill Callahan does with the, with the next group of guys um, is hugely important to the long-term success of the Browns, because you just cannot keep a line this good together for super long because the guys are going to get paid. All right. We've gone for the five offensive linemen have been picked in the first six picks. Um, we cannot do the, Bonus picks until the fifth round. So this is the last round where you, you can't duplicate a position yet. So Mary Kay, you're up. Who's your fourth round pick? Well, you know, I'm just going to keep with this theme right now because uh, you need a good guard. You took the best one on the football team. Uh, and, and I have to have one. I have to have a really, really good guard. Uh, so the next best one, uh, and some people may think that he was better than than Joel Batonio in 2020. I don't believe that myself. I think Joel was uh, a notch above or a couple notches above. Uh, but Wyatt Teller came in and he did a nice job. Uh, he he has some things that he has to work on, of course. Uh, but he settled down that position. Uh, he he owned it, and uh, and he's going to be one of my starting guards here in the fourth round. I think I would have taken him if you didn't, because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I mean, I'm clearly building around the line. The idea, Mary Kay, that he's the fifth offensive lineman off the board, that a little bit to me, I, to me, that's right. I mean, I picked three of the other guys, so I, of course it's right. I could have picked Teller instead of Treader. To me, that's right, but it does slightly influence how I view Wyatt Teller and should the Browns pay him or not and how they should handle him because as good as he is, I think you maybe could argue that he's the fifth most important offensive lineman. And and maybe you and you could argue not. You could probably argue he's the second most important, right? I mean, he is he kills people in the run game. But to me, when it's like it's one of those things. And again, this is a conversation. I'm just hashtag too many good players. He's arguably the best guard of the NFL and also the fifth best offensive lineman on the Browns at the same time. Mm-hmm. You could have both those conversations, which again seem completely opposite. What are you talking about? He's the best guy in his position in the league. And he's only the fifth best offensive lineman on the team. Yes. Like if depending how you look at it, yes. But I think it's possible, Mary Kay, when push comes to shove on him from a contract standpoint, he might be more valuable to another team who doesn't have a great offensive line. And is like, we're signing him to be our anchor. We are signing him to be by far our best offensive lineman. And that when it comes time for that, the Browns will say, okay, well, we still have some other guys, you know, and that it, that, that, evaluation that that valuation won't be quite the same. So it at least influences me, the depth around him. Well, when you think about what the Titans did with Jack Conklin, you're, it's sort of the same thing. I mean, Jack Conklin is an excellent, excellent football player, former all pro or a current all pro. And, uh, and the Tennessee Titans let him walk. I mean, who lets a good tackle walk, but his value to another team in their minds, I mean, they were not going to be able to pay him what he was going to be able to get, and he knew that. And so it's a market value type of situation. And uh, Wyatt Teller, 
like you said, I mean, he could stand to go out and make double digit millions on the open market. And if his camp, if his agents don't think uh, that the Browns are going to pay him that or they don't offer him that kind of money, then they will wait it out. And so he could be the the Joe Schobert type of guy from this year uh, for the Browns or the Jack Conklin type of guy for the Titans that uh, that is going to get paid somewhere else. And the Browns are not willing to do that because the truth of the matter is they can't pay everybody double digit millions as much as they would love to. Okay. Five offensive linemen in our first seven picks. And that doesn't mean the Browns have bad skill players. It, 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 it but it is, uh, it is a, an evaluation of the value. So because I'm worried that if I don't take this guy here, that you'll swoop in and take him with the bonus pick, I'm going to take Kareem hunt, which, um, again, goes to how good their second running back is. Obviously, Chubb's the first first pick, but like, I don't want to have Demetric Felton as my running back. So I will take Hunt here and feel pretty good about running Kareem Hunt behind Jack Conklin, Joel Batonio, and J.C. Treader. And now we get to the fifth round, and now it's wide open. You can duplicate stuff if you want to. But by the way, Mary Kay, we're going to the fifth round, and no receivers have been taken. And again, that is not if Odell, Odell, if you're listening, no offense. This is not about that. But I think, again, it is a reminder of as much as they missed Odell last year, Mary Kay, they were able to sort of patch together around it, right? They're better with him, but they sort of patched it without him. And I do think, again, Teller missed some games. Conklin missed one game. I think they could patch one hole on the offensive line. But I think the 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 thing that would really hurt this team if it happened the aliens came and took two guys at once if they lost like two of these five offensive linemen at the same time and now you're playing now you have multiple question marks where you had none i think they're good enough to get by with one question mark on the offensive line but i think that would be more difficult than what they had to do last year when they didn't have nick chubb for four games when they didn't have odell for half a season because they were it's just such a steadying force to have these offensive linemen so again no offense to odell beckham who is still on the board as we enter round five. Well, funny, you should speak about Odell Beckham as we enter round five, because now that we are here, uh, this is where I'm going to take Odell Beckham Jr. I think that Odell Beckham Jr. has the opportunity to be opportunity to be dynamite in this offense this year with Baker Mayfield. I think he really has a chance to do that. And not only uh, just from the standpoint of the connection between the two of those guys, which I think will be much better, but I think that Kevin Stefanski understands the star power that Odell Beckham Jr. has. I think he understands the weapon that he has in him. I think he understands what he can do in terms of guys rolling coverage to him and whatnot. Um, So from, you know, from reverses, jet sweeps, you know, halfback options, whatever you want to do. Uh, this guy can do it. I think he's going to throw a touchdown pass to Jarvis Landry this year. One good turn deserves another. I expect to see that. Um, and yeah, I, I just think that, uh, that he has superstar ability. And now that Baker Mayfield knows who he is and Kevin Stefanski knows how to call the game for Baker Mayfield, I think it is time for Odell to really shine. And he did the best he could last year while they were trying to figure it all out. I mean, he took, he took the Browns and put them on his back in the Dallas game, won that game. If you don't win that game, you know, you're not making the playoffs. So I'm going Odell Beckham jr. Here. That's what I figured. I think it's the right pick. I'm going to follow it up and take Jarvis. Was there, is there anybody, any sense in your mind, or do you think there's anybody listening to this Mary Kay who would say I would take Jarvis ahead of Odell Beckham for this team? Yes, absolutely. 100%. You can make a case to do that uh, because of the connection that Jarvis and Baker have together. Uh, they're already just on so on point with each other. Jarvis is a very precise route runner, which is something that Baker really values a lot. He likes his guy to be where he's supposed to be when he wants him to be there. And Jarvis is great at that. Uh, you, you know, you look out there and it just looks like that pass can't be caught. Jarvis comes up with it. He's got amazing hands. I think that uh, a very strong case could be made uh, that you could have picked him ahead of Odell. Uh, But I still see so much, you know, just so much almost superstar ability in Odell 
And I feel like you're going to see that this year. Let me ask you a question that I, that I sort of did pose um, on a recent podcast when, when you weren't on. Do you think it's possible that Odell Beckham has his best NFL season this year? That he has not, I think, you know, we have not seen, I mean, Odell Beckham's best season is probably what, I don't have it in front of me, but one of it, certainly one of his years with the Giants and one of his earlier years with the Giants that, but with the player he is, and if his body's healthy, could he have his best season in six years or whatever it is? Is that on the table at least? Yeah, it's on the table. It is on the table. And again, Kevin Stefanski understands the importance of Odell Beckham Jr. and keeping him involved and keeping him happy and all those things. Uh, and, and, and getting him the ball early. The only reason why I do sometimes wonder if he actually would be able to have that kind of a season from a number standpoint is because there are so many mouths to feed on this offense. I think the good problem that the Browns have this season is, as we've said before, too many good players, too many places to go with the football. There are so many guys you can make a case. That guy needs the ball more. That guy needs the ball more. No, no, that guy needs the ball more. I mean, there are a lot of guys that fall into that category. And therefore, you know, I think, you know, it's going to be hard for all these 1,000-yard guys, and I'm including the backs in that too. It's going to be hard for all the 1,000-yarders to get their 1,000 yards, although there's a 17th game in which to do it. But, um, you know, I think the potential is there. He certainly has the ability to go out and have a career season but he also would need the opportunities to be able to do it. No, I think that, I think that's right. And it's hard sometimes to differentiate between like the ability that you're showing mm-hmm. versus the stats, which are based on ability, but also opportunity. So I think you make a very good point there. Round six to you, Mary Kay. Oh, round six to me. I'm, we're back at me again already. Um, hmm. Okay. I have to think about this for a second. This is where it gets a little... Not hairy, but it's like, okay, well, we took Chubb and Hunt and Jarvis and Odell for the skill guys. And now I think it's interesting. It's like, who do you think is the fifth best skill player on this team? I mean, or you could go with a backup offensive lineman, too, because I'm starting to think about backup, backup offensive lineman. But this is where, I mean, everybody listening to this knows that, okay, well, you've got the quarterback and then the other skill guys. We know who the top four are, but who's the fifth? And this is where that discussion comes into play. Well, I mean, you're, this is a, a tight end driven offense. You know, I, I, it's time to take a tight end. And the best tight end on the roster is, is Austin Hooper. And I wasn't overly thrilled or impressed with the season that he had last year. But I'm going to chalk that up to it was his first season with Baker Mayfield. It was his first season away from Matt Ryan. I find that it's often difficult for a guy who's been with a quarterback for a number of years to make that transition to a new guy. The the ball comes in different. I mean, it's like you're married to somebody else, you know, it's just so different. Uh, And, and I think that he will overcome that this year. I think the chemistry will be better between Baker and Austin Hooper. And they're certainly motivated to make it better. Uh, Those two guys are really good friends off the field, like really good friends. Austin Hooper is down at tight end university right now uh, with some of the best tight ends in the league. David Njoku is there as well. Um, But, you know, when you're paying a guy also ten and a half million dollars a year, then, you know, you want to get him involved. And it is a very tight end friendly scheme. So it should be a better year for him. Uh, You need a good one in this offense. And I'm going with Austin Hooper here. I was wondering, I was wondering whether you would go Hooper or not, because you've been very smart about his value compared to his contract, but we're not talking about contracts. Now we're talking about value to the team. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and take David and Joku. And I'm curious, there's still, I think some degree of everybody listening to this, those in the media, I'm sure in the Browns front office, that there's still some like, obviously not even some there's untapped potential in David and Joku, maybe a little, maybe a lot. And man, sometimes you're just willing to wait on that forever. So I'll take him on the idea, like, is it possible, Mary Kay? And again, it's about opportunity. It's about how much they play you and how much they throw you the ball. But if he comes out in camp and just looks like a, you know, a guy ready to take the, the, the league by storm, he'll be on the field. Could David, David and Joku be the best tight end on this roster this season? Like, is that, is that possible? And how much of David and Joku have you, have we maybe not seen yet? It is possible. 
It's definitely possible. And I've been saying this for a long time and I get pushback from a number of people whenever I mention that I think he has the ability uh, to be a tight end that can catch eight touchdown passes. I think if he were on a team where he were the number one tight end, I think that that would be a layup for him to get eight touchdowns. Uh, He's so capable of that. Really, I mean, in many instances, you just need to throw the ball up high in the red zone and he's going to come down with it. He's, he's better at catching the football than he was before. Um, so I think he definitely is capable of even being the best tight on tight end on this offense. I don't know if he will have the opportunities to show that, but the thing about David Njoku this year, that's different from last year is the fact that at this time last year, he didn't want to be here. He did not want to be here and all the way up through the trading deadline. He still didn't want to be here. And even though he sort of, you know, got a little cute with that whole storyline, the truth is that he wanted out. And he did actually ultimately admit that uh, when he did an interview with Jim Rome during Super Bowl week. So now uh, he's making $6 million this year. He's playing on his option year. He knows he's got a lot to prove. He knows he could be, you know, trying to try out for another team or his next big multi-year contract or trying to be back here, but he claims to be all in and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and I'm going to believe him. And I'm going to believe that he's all in instead of some things that I saw even in training camp last year that were mildly disturbing about him. So I'm going to say that he's all in this year and that he is uh, poised for a much better season. And I, I think he's very talented and he's been a raw talent. He's had injuries and then he wanted out. I mean, you know, once they obviously acquired Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant, I mean, he just like, he checked out and that was coming off of, you know, some, some injuries in previous years. If he's healthy this year and his mind is right, I think he can be dynamite. Add him to the list of guys who could be better than they've been. Yes. On this, on a, on a good team, they still have guys who could get better. I want to ask two quick David and Joku questions of you. Yeah. One is, all right, so he's playing his fifth year option out. You know, if he's awesome, he'll get paid more. How much do you buy into that? How much do you think in your career covering this have guys been motivated by like, hey, I'm about to potentially hit free agency. Like I'm really going to raise my game because I'm extra motivated. Oh, yeah. It's it's real. That happens. In a contract year, guys step up their game and they have extra juice. And I think you'll see that in, in David Njoku this year. What Once again, what, what we don't know and what we, we can't control and nobody can and he can't are the opportunities that he will get to show what he can do. But I believe, once again, uh, that, that he's capable of big things. I think he's even capable of a Pro Bowl. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe not. Maybe that's stretching it a little bit. But I think he has a skill set where in the right situation and if his mind was right and he's with and he gets the opportunities, I think he can have that kind of production. I lied. I said I had two in Joku questions. I actually had three. So I still have oh. two left. OK. Do you think that if he has a great year and shows that he has a chance to be one of the best 10 tight ends in the league, that the Browns would sign him, that he mm-hmm. could be here long term? Yes, because all they really needed him to do was climb back on board and he needed to see that, that they believed in him. Now, if they're not throwing him the ball because he fancies himself a number one tight end. Okay. If he is going to get the opportunity to have the type of production that he believes he's capable of, then I think there is an opportunity for the two sides to move forward and have a, a longer term relationship. But once again, it's going to be extremely difficult to find enough footballs to go around for all the guys that want them. And you're going to have some unhappy people this year. I mean, it's just like, there's just no way that you can make everybody happy. They'll be happy because they're going to be winning games and they might win a Super Bowl. but you're also going to have that residual. I wish I was getting the ball more. It's, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. And we should all just plan for it right now. I, I can't, I actually have a fourth question, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask it because we can just save it for a separate David and Joku podcast. I want to ask this the right. So second round picks your, it's a four-year contract, but the first round pick it's four years with an option, right? Is that, is that right? That's right. Right. I still, sometimes first, I don't. Yeah. First rounders get the, get the option year. So when the Browns traded up from 
a pick early in the second round and traded up to take Njoku at the end of the first round. Yes. That made this season possible, right? Yes. Because if they just, it's like, well, first of all, you got to jump up and get him because maybe someone's going to take him if you wait, but right. also they would have had, if they had taken him with the second pick in the second round, they would have had to make a decision on him right. after last season. And this seems like a very valuable year to have one more year of evaluation, because if they would have had to decide on him after last year, he wouldn't be here. Right. Yes. They weren't right. And, and, but, and then there, that, Increase the possibility of like, man, that guy left and uh, now it all came together. Now he's a pro bowler that we let walk. You know, it was a minor thing at the time, but, and I, I being a dumb guy thought of it more as, oh, they moved up a couple spots to get their guy, but they moved up also to get that fifth year option. And this is a player. They knew he was young, right? He was 20 when he got drafted. He's a super young guy. He was a little bit raw. I think they thought they knew it might take a little longer. And we want that fifth year of evaluation to figure out, is he a long-term Brown? And that's what's going to play out right now. It was just important how they acquired him. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that had a lot to do with that. And, uh, and back then, uh, he was in the last class of when you picked up the fifth-year option, it wasn't immediately guaranteed. Starting this year, when you picked up those fifth-year options of Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward, they were immediately guaranteed. So you knew that you were going to be paying that very day, that you were going to be paying Baker Mayfield $18.858 million in 2022, at least, unless you extend him and that gets rolled into that. And you knew that you were going to be paying Denzel Ward $13.294 million in 2022, once again, unless that rolls into an extension, which they're both eligible for, as we all know, this offseason. But back then, it was even more valuable, the fifth-year option, because you could just pick it up and wait until the first day of the league year in March. You didn't, you, I mean, you could pick it up and it wasn't guaranteed until way later. Now it's like you pick it up in May and it's guaranteed in May. Before, it wasn't guaranteed until the season. You're smart about this stuff, Mary Kay. I like how you have the, the numbers just off the top of your head now, down to the third decimal point, because <laughs> you've been talking about this stuff so much. You're like, you have, you have dreams of Denzel Ward's option being picked up. in your. You think about it at 3 o'clock in the morning. I know you do. All right. <laughs> I'm yep. sorry for that David and Joku uh, little tangent there, but we're, we're halfway through. I always... Let's do this. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on our three-hour podcast. Yeah. It's, we're gonna we're gonna get faster here because nobody wants to hear us talk about Nick Harris for that long. Right. Seventh round, Mary Kay. Who you got? You know what? Uh, maybe this will be a little bit of an unorthodox pick, but I'm going with Donovan Peoples Jones here. There's just something about this player uh, that that I really like. I I liked what I saw last year. I think the upside is really good. Uh, I think he brings big playability to the table. You saw that in the Titans game. You saw uh, the savvy in the Bengals game. He only caught two touchdown passes. They were both so very important. Um, And I think he's got a lot more in him. And I think he was sort of a diamond in the rough when they got him in the sixth round last year. And, uh, And I'm going with him here in the seventh round. Very curious to see how he develops. And again, another guy who, the development's going to depend at least in part on how much he gets thrown to. And it's possible that it won't be that much, but that it might be a lot more in the future. Uh, I am torn between two guys here. I'm going to lean a certain way for a certain thing. Cause I do think I want to run a decent amount of 12 personnel. So I'm going to take Harrison Bryant and give myself that second tight end for my starting offensive unit. And they have three tight ends. And so, like, I, I, I still actually feel okay about the options that are still out there at receiver. So I'll go with Harrison Bryant there. I wasn't a huge fan last year, but I thought most of the stuff that I wasn't always a huge fan of was just rookie stuff. So it was like, it was more like, oh, well, what do you, I mean, let's not be like throwing the ball to the rookie at time, but like, he, you know, I think people think he has upside. So I'll take him. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a good pick. And, uh, you know, if you're going to play, Two tight ends. These are two really good tight ends to be able to play. So, um, yeah, I, I like that there. I think, um, I don't know, I just like some of these receivers and uh, very intrigued to see what they're going to be doing next year. Okay. All right. Eighth round to you. Eighth round. 
All right. Now I have to be careful here because I have to be able to field an offensive line. I have to be able to do that right now. I've only got two offensive linemen and how many more picks do I, we have 12 picks total, right? Yes. So I've got five left. So I have to pick two of something else and three more offensive linemen. And there are really not very many left of those. So I don't know that there's going to be a run on them anytime soon. Uh, So therefore, therefore, hmm, I am going to pick another receiver and I just have to figure out which one I want. Interesting. Interesting. I like how you deke me with the like, oh, I better take an offensive lineman. And then you swung back around (laughs) to the receivers. Okay. So I am going to take Richard Higgins here and take Richard Higgins because he has that natural chemistry with Baker Mayfield. He's his go-to guy and he will come up big for you in a big game. Like he did in the Kansas city game. I mean, he came up big in that game. He had that one, you know, horrible situation that happened in the game. But other than that, he was poised for a really nice game. Baker loves him. I don't think you can go wrong with having Richard Higgins on your roster. You screwed me. I mean, that screws me. I mean, that was I'm like, sorry. so you, you, no, no, no. That's the whole point. I mean, <laughs> the, literally the title of the podcast is stick it to Doug because you now have three receivers. And I only have one. So you have OBJ, DPJ and Higgins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found it interesting that you took people's Jones ahead of Higgins. Mm-hmm. I was going to take Higgins next. I was between Higgins and Bryant, but I leaned towards 12 personnel. I, I just remain fascinated by who will be like the number three receiver. Mm-hmm. Right. Like who who's the next guy after Odell and Jarvis? Who's next? And I think we don't know for sure how that all that is going to shake out. I'm going to lean. I'm going to go back to offensive line. I am going to take my next offensive lineman. And you tell me if this is wrong, because I'm trying to figure out who I trust the most among the backup offensive linemen. And I have never been a huge Chris Hubbard fan. Now, he was he's not a starter. And they paid him like a starter to come here. It's like he wasn't a starter in Pittsburgh. And then they he started because somebody got hurt. And then they paid him like a starter. And it just was a mistake. But he is a good swing guy. I mean, he's a very good swing guy. But as you said, he's coming off an injury. He's been around a little bit longer. Like, he certainly is what he is. He's not getting any better. But, like, he's he can be solid. And when he filled in for Jack Conklin last year, like, they were fine. Mm -hmm. They were fine, the, the game he played right tackle but I'm not going to take him and tell me if this is wrong because I'm going to take a guy who didn't play football last year. I'm going to take Drew Forbes mm-hmm. as my other guard with Batonio. He was said there was a lot of hoopla kind of around him when he got picked. He had been like, there was somebody, he was like the mystery guy that somebody was writing a story about small school guy, right? That I think people, again, when you think about who has a chance to develop into a starter among these young backups, but then he opted out last year. And that's, I mean, a lot of guys opted out. Am I overdrafting Drew Forbes here because I'm trying to find the backup that I think has the most upside and I might have whiffed here, but I'm not sure. Well, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a bad pick, but it's, you know, you could have gone a few other ways there as well. So, I mean, a a case can be made. We really don't know what he's going to be yet. Uh, So I I think you can get away with that. I, I don't know that that would have been my pick right there, especially, because you, um, you know, you have so many good offensive linemen. I, I mean, yeah, I think you're good. I think you're cool there. Okay. Ninth round to you, Mary Kay. All right. Uh, you're going to be mad at me for this, I think, but I'm not sure. And I'm going to do it anyways. I love it. <laughs> I'm doing this because this player brings an element that you really need on the football field if you want to scare the crap out of a defense. And it's the element of speed. I'm going with Anthony Schwartz here. I know I am very receiver heavy. I'm planning on playing the air raid. I'm playing four verts this year. (laughs) Um, I'm going with Anthony Schwartz because, um, like I said, I just think that you can do uh, a lot with him in terms of getting him behind a defense and on those go routes and, 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 and he can do a lot of damage. Uh, you, again, you are just stepping on my neck with the skill guys. Uh, it's very interesting. Again, I, I am um, skeptical of his role this year. He certainly does add something different. 
And I am fascinated to see how these receivers develop and how the playing time shakes out. You now have four receivers. I still only have one. I think I am. I'm just going to lean into what I'm doing. I am going to take my other tackle now. And I will take Chris Hubbard because I, I James Hudson's a rookie. And I, I think there is, right? I like the pick. I thought where they got him, there's upside there. He's a former defensive lineman making a transition. But if I need somebody to play, if I actually need somebody to play as the Browns are chasing a Super Bowl because one of my two tackles went down, I, I think I'm going to feel more comfortable putting Chris Hubbard out there than James Hudson. So I'll take Chris Hubbard and play him on the left side with Conklin as my right tackle. Well, that's nice. I mean, your offensive line is shaping up to be really, really good. And the Browns would love your draft because, uh, you know, it's a very mature draft. And, and mine is, uh, you know, just what you would do if you were in like sixth grade, I think, you know, <laughs> you're drafted the guys who you want to hang their, their, their posters on your wall. Yeah. This is a fantasy draft. This that's what I'm doing. I thought this was a fantasy draft that we were doing, but no, no, no. I'm going to get all practical on you right here. And I have to, because I actually have to field an offensive line as much as I really don't want to. I have to. <laughs> so I am going to go with James Hudson here uh, because uh, I, I think he's got great upside potential. Uh, he, he's got the body type. He looks the part and, uh, and I need, I need a right tackle. And uh, once again, I think that when you have a Bill Callahan, he can get a guy like this up to speed very quickly. I think he's going to get this guy ready to play and he might, he might see some playing time this year. Uh, and he's got a little bit of versatility. You can play him at, at a couple of different spots. So James Hudson is my guy. Okay. I'll take Kadero Hodge as sort of the last uh, receiver on the board. He's my second starting receiver. So my receivers are Landry and Hodge, but again, he can play. He's a good blocker. I think he's reliable. He doesn't have the upside. I think natural talent that everybody else taking ahead of him does, but I'm, I'm not afraid to put Kadero Hodge on the field. And frankly, a year ago, he was their third receiver. <laughs> like he was their third receiver. He was ahead of Higgins. He was ahead of DPJ. Anthony Schwartz was in college. So he's solid. Mm -hmm. And again, that, that again is they're six deep there. They're six deep at receiver, which is a pretty good place to be last two rounds. I need a quarterback and my bonus player, and you need two offensive linemen. Is that correct, Mary Kay? That's correct. All right. So who are you taking? I'm going Nick Harris here. I need a center. I have to have a center. So Nick's going to be my guy. Uh, I, I think it's time for him to be able to step up into that role. That's what they drafted him for. And uh, now is as good a time as any. Nick Harris is my center. Let me ask a question real quick that I meant to ask after the, the Chris Hubbard, James Hudson thing. Would you have taken Hudson ahead of Hubbard? Or do you think that Hubbard is still the more reliable tacker, tackle just based on experience? Or how much are you worried about the Hubbard injury? I think I'm worried about the Hubbard injury. So I might have gone with James Hudson ahead of him only for that reason. But just in terms of sheer talent and ability, I would have gone with Hubbard. Okay. All right, so I got to take my bonus guy, and I'm going to take Demetric Felton. Uh, he's my speed guy, right? Mm -hmm. he's, not, he's not as fast as Anthony Schwartz. But, again, a wrinkle guy. I, I, it, we love to get excited about draft picks. I mean, he's, you know, he's a late-round pick in, uh, for a team that's trying to win the Super Bowl. But he's the kind of guy that a team like this should be taking a shot on in the late rounds. Because, I, I mean, I think – I mean, I don't know. Are we sure he's going to, like – make the team. I don't know that anybody's sure of that, but like if he hits and he's kind of a tweener, but if you find the right role for him, he, he might be able to help you now. Not too much. This is not a guy that you want to put too much on his shoulders, but in the right situation, I think I, I think he could give them more than what Dernis Johnson gave them last year as the third running back. If that's how they want to use him. So I'll take Felton and I have my quarterback still sitting there. You've got your last offensive line, the Mary Kay. Yes. Which brings me to, uh, I got to look up. So I have to look is it, up. Is it oh. Michael Dunn? Is that the, the choice or I probably it's, it's probably Michael Dunn. I, you know, I, I don't really know who else I would go with there because like I said, with my little fantasy draft that I did here, uh, I left myself a little short on offensive linemen by that time I get to the end here. So yeah, I mean, it, it probably could be a, a Michael Dunn. He's as good a choice as any here. Um, 
there are a few other backups that we could possibly look at, but uh, let's do that. And then I'll take Case Keenum. So I'll be curious to see what the texters think, because we're going to send this out to them. We've got the skill position team against the offensive line team. So um, <laughs> very, very interesting. But even like, it's like, I would say, well, I have the off- I'm just going to pound the ball, but you have Chubb. So it's like you even have like the the sort of like pound the running game guys. So Kareem Hunt's going to get like 40 carries a game for my team. Uh, I hope it was it was mostly fun, Mary Kay. We're not splitting the atom here. Where I mean, like there's there's you know there's only so many different things you can talk about. But I hope it made people realize, Mary Kay, and I think it did that this team's pretty deep. Yes. And yep. and they weren't in years past. Yes, absolutely. Now, the, the other thing that the only other thing that I should have done when I look over my roster is I probably really did need another tight end uh, ahead of um, ahead of a receiver. But I don't necessarily know if I want to stick with the with the two tight end scheme all the time. So I'm OK with with how I did this. I would probably play more three wides than than anything more 11 personnel. Uh, so I, I don't feel too, too badly about it, but I probably could have squeezed another tight end. But I think it, I mean, when you have, you have the guys that put on the field, you put OBJ, DPJ and, and uh, Higgins out there together. And then Schwartz subs in as your speed guy every now and then that's a pretty good four man rotation. Yeah. Uh, So, okay. We'll do it again with the defense next week. Again, if you want to be a Browns insider and get to vote, we'll send out a vote who drafted the better team, you know, go to Cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner and you can, uh, you can sign up and test it out and see what you think. Thanks, as always, to Mary Kay Cabot, the best beat writer in the country. Uh, Dan Lobby, again, taking a little vacation time. So if you're used to his uh, mellifluous voice and you're getting me screaming at you, I apologize for the transition, but I'm going to be around for a little bit longer because it's July and people are on vacation. Thanks to you guys for listening to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. <laughs>